I have learned to hear his voice because I've heard it so much through the words of Jesus and through the prophets and through what he has written. That's how I know his voice. Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Back in the early 80s, I played a song called I'm Born Again while I was a DJ at a station in Boise, Idaho. That song was off an album from Glenn Garrett. Over the years, Glenn has continued to make music celebrating his relationship with Jesus and how being born again changes our lives and makes a difference in the world around us. Chatting with Glenn reveals a gentle soul who is madly in love with his Savior and who wants everyone to know it. Glenn talks about how he can hear his good God in heaven speak directly to him. There are so many noisy distractions in my life, so I asked Glenn about how he was able to distinguish the voice of God speaking to him, and I'm looking forward to sharing this with you because I think it is important for us to listen and really hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. But before I share this conversation with you, I wanted to tell you about an email I received this week. A few episodes ago, I had the chance to chat with Sherry Youngward, and Sherry emailed me to tell me about someone who reached out to her after that podcast aired. Here's what she had to say. Hi, Dave. I meant to tell you, I was out on a hike after I posted your podcast on my Facebook page. I don't usually check my phone while I'm hiking, or even have my sound on for that matter, but I did, and I did. I received a message from someone who had listened to the podcast and reached out for some urgent prayer. She hadn't been to church for years, and her husband has been very sick and was in the hospital. I can't share everything, but I texted her from my hike, and it sparked something beautiful. I had more unexpected responses due to the podcast. Be encouraged. God is using you, and he hears all of the prayers of your friends. Thank you for sending that email, Sherry, and I wanted to share that with our listeners because it really points to the importance of prayer. I end every podcast asking the artist how we can pray for them. We send out weekly prayer newsletters highlighting the women and men who make the music we listen to. And you pray. Thank you for being part of the prayer team. We don't always get to hear the results of our prayers, but God does. And there are many scripture verses that talk about the importance of prayer. But if you're like me, sometimes prayer can feel like an empty practice. So it is always good for me to hear the way God is answering our prayers. So thank you again for being part of this good and important work. I'm excited to have on the phone with me from Nashville, Tennessee, Glenn Garrett. And uh, for those of you who may not know who Glenn is, we'll get into that in a little bit. But Glenn's been making music for quite some time. In fact, I think his first album was in 1975. And so we're going to find out a little bit more about what Glenn's doing, what he's up to. And uh, so welcome to the podcast, Glenn. Hey, Dave. Thank you. It's uh, my privilege to be here with you. So as far as my memory, I was in radio back in the early 80s, and that's where I first got my introduction to you with the album It Is Written, which I think was on Green Tree Records at the time. That's right. Green Tree and Brown Bannister produced. Yeah. There's a name to to hang your hat on. Yeah. You know what? Brown and I are still friends today. I I love Brown. He's a... He's always a voice in my head, even today when I'm working. He's got such a heart. Uh, And as I've talked to folks about Brown, I haven't had the privilege yet of talking with him, but as I've talked to them, Brown is just a heart for making sure that the word gets out through music and done in an excellent manner. So that's very, very cool. I didn't didn't remember that Brown had produced that first album for you. Yeah, he sure did. Well, let's start a little bit uh, about who Glenn is, because some of our listeners uh, don't go back as far as you and I do. Let's talk about how did you get your start in music? Where was your uh, kind of the genesis of you making music? You know what, uh, Dave, that's a good question. I I was thinking back just uh, how gracious, how good our 
our Father is. And I remember as a child sitting in the living room floor um, with my dad, and he had a Gibson guitar, and he was singing Hank Williams. And I just how that impressed upon me then, how much I loved music and loved hearing my dad sing. And, and my dad had a phrase that the Lord just reminds me of often. My dad would always phrase uh, when he was talking about the Father in heaven, he would say, my good God in heaven. Mm. And uh, that is something that as a musician I find of extreme importance, um, my good God in heaven. Yes, he is good. So anyhow, yeah, so from there I, um, <laughs> I, I love drums. Uh, at that point, just as a child, I really didn't have any drums. I used Quaker oat boxes and uh, <laughs> yes. and uh, shoe boxes, and I would get two butter knives out of my mom's kitchen drawer and set up some pan lids uh, for cymbals, and I would play along to the Beatles and to other British groups and just had a passion for it. And yeah. from, you know, I grew, grew up from there, um, scrapped together a drum kit and ended up playing in a, in a band, you know, through uh, junior high school. And um, so it goes way back. It yeah. does go way back. So were you writing your own stuff at that point, or were you kind of covering, like you said, the Beatles and the other British bands? Yeah, yeah, no, we were just covering things back then, Dave, and I came to the Lord when I was, when I was nine years old, Okay, and uh, so the Lord was always a very present uh, force in my life, and, uh, you know, even as young as we were, matter of fact, we started, well, first we just started doing some high school stuff, some some dances during the summer and that sort of thing. And then as we began to get a little older, and we weren't old enough, but we started playing in some places that uh, at that time I, I was very uncomfortable in playing in. Hmm. And um, uh, that's not a judgment on anybody who does those sorts of things, but as really a young, a young uh, person and really young in the Lord, I... I was feeling the Lord compelling to step away from it. Hmm. And that was a very, very difficult thing yeah. for me to do. I, uh, I loved playing drums. I loved the music. And we were covering, like you said, Beatles and other people. And we were getting really popular. And uh, matter of fact, we even uh, cut a small single on our own that me and the guitar player wrote. Um, and it got some local airplay. And about that time, I was coming stronger and stronger, the Lord saying to me. And he was not condemning, and I'm, I hope people will hear my heart. I'm not condemning anyone else, where they play or what they do. Right. Uh, but for me, at that point, the Lord was saying, Glenn, I want you to lay this down. Mm. And it was difficult, but I did. Uh, somehow, God gave me the grace and the strength to walk away from it. Uh, I thought, well, they surely can't replace me, you know, how young boys think. And I think they replaced me in 24 hours. Oh, you know, wow. It was like yeah. zip, zip, bam, boom. And they had another drummer that was probably better than me. And, and uh, so, but at that, at that time, it wasn't long after that, the Lord started, uh, I saw my grandmother's old upright piano. And I started being drawn to that piano, and she began to share with me that her father was had a number of hymns published hmm. in hymn books, which just fascinated me. I went really, and she went, yeah. So it's in it's in your spiritual genes, it's in your physical genes, and yeah. you just come up here and piddle with the piano whenever you want to. And I love this lady. I mean, I often think of. Uh, Timothy, where he says he was raised by a godly mother and right. grandmother, and boy, boy, that was me. And mm. I had this special relationship with my grandmother. And you know, where a kid sitting at a piano banging would drive other people crazy, <laughs> she just, <laughs> she just embraced it and just loved it. And That's would, so good. She could play very, she could play really good. And she began to teach me some things. And 
I began to write. That's where I really began to write. And okay. by that time, I was entering high, high school, and I started playing some of uh, my songs uh, at assemblies and that sort of thing. So it very goes cool. back a long ways, Dave. Yeah. I'm very thankful. So how long after that did you record Signs of the Seasons then? Was that just out of high school, or were you still in high school at that point? Well, uh, no. Actually, let me let me see if I can get this right. Um, uh, my wife and I, Kathy and I, met at, right before we went to school. We met when she was still in high school. And um, we both went off to Auburn University together. And uh, so it was at Auburn University that Kathy and I got engaged. Okay. And we stayed in we stayed in school until um, I graduated, and I started playing at Auburn. I started playing. Um, well, I should really give credit to Pat Terry. I'm sure you're oh, yeah. familiar with oh, Pat sure. Terry. Yeah. Pat Terry came uh, to a campus crusade for Christ meeting at Auburn University. Okay. And I remember watching Pat and listening to him that night. And there was probably Dave at that point, because there wasn't anything like contemporary Christian music as right. it's known today. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I thought I was probably the Lone Ranger out there and nobody else <laughs> in the world was doing it. And, and then I heard Pat, and I was so impressed with Pat and so moved. And uh, the, that you know that still small voice that mm-hmm. you hear from the father same one that said hey i want you to lay down this music right now for me and that same still small voice basically whispered to me if i can do this for pat uh, i can do it for you yes and and i believed that and so from there i really began to pursue so Pat Terry and Sonny Lollerstadt and Randy oh, yeah. Bug, all those guys were the Pat Terry group. Right. I, I just I love them. We developed a relationship with them that just did nothing but fuel my fire. And I remember Pat would take us on the road from time to time because we'd be over working with those guys. Uh, Randy and Sonny had a studio. Okay. And um, I think. <laughs> Actually, before I got into the studio there with Randy and Sonny, when I came out of uh, Auburn University, and I met Pat while I was in Auburn University, so I'm, I'm backtracking, I'm sorry. But as Kathy and I graduated, and I had already been kind of playing around, um, the man who ended up being the, the best man in our wedding, dear friend of mine, David Olive, um, he was uh, at law school at Sanford University, and he said, Glenn, I, I really want the dean of music over here to hear your, your music. Hmm. And he said, I set up an appointment. Will you come play for him? And I went, okay. Yeah, sure. So uh, I go, and uh, Dean Lindy Martin at Sanford University, I have to give him credit, too. Um, he just said, Glenn, I want you to go to... Jackson, Mississippi, there's a recording studio there run by Malcolm Greenwood. And so he said, I will pay for it, which, Dave, I mean, that just, you know, I didn't have the money to do that. And uh, I said, are you sure? He went, yeah, I want to invest in this. So um, we went over and we met Malcolm and we recorded Signs of the Seasons there. Okay. And... um, Malcolm later was on. Later became his own managing company, the Malcolm Greenwood Agency, and he managed artists. Um, I think Malcolm was managing at that time Tim Shepard. I'm not sure about that, okay. but I think it was Tim he was managing. Um, and Malcolm, you know, of course heard the record because he was manager of that of that studio at that time. Yeah. And then a, a company uh, out of Bismarck, North Dakota, is where the studio was. And the producer up there was Greg Nelson, oh. who did Sandy Patty. Yeah. Who did Sandy Patty? And well, they called and they said, "Hey, we heard signs of the season. We would like to do a record with you." And and it was a, a record company called Jesus Folk Records. Okay, and they did a record. And 
then from there, we were kind of doing, a, you know, we wanted to do our own next record. Um, and that's where we went over to Sonny and Randy, Sonny Lollerstead, Randy Bug in Atlanta with Pat Terry. Mm-hmm. And we recorded Renewed Like an Eagle. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, can you see God's just sovereign, supernatural yeah. hand? I mean, he's led us to Malcolm Greenwood. He's led us to Greg Nelson. And then um, then to Randy and Sonny, which we already knew, but then Randy and Sonny produced with me the Renewed Like an Eagle, and it started getting airplay. Wow, fun. And from, from that airplay, the Benson Company... Yep, Green Tree called and said, "This is a. I know this is a long way around the block, but it's just, it's just. You know, I hope this encourages young musicians to hear right. just how you you don't despise small beginnings. Just the smallest things. Can, the sovereignty of God is just astounding to me. Yeah, and how He moves and the people that we meet and who they will become and what they become and their yeah. effect on our lives and." So when Benson heard us, they said, yeah, we want to sign you, Glenn, but we want Brown. And Brown's never produced a record for Green Tree, but we want to see mm-hmm. if Brown will produce it. So they set up a meeting with Brown. Fun. And Kathy and I loved Brown, and uh, God gave us favor with Brown, and he went, yeah, I want to do this. And so next thing you know, we're working with Brown Bannister, and we're recording It Is Written. Wow. Now that's a long-winded answer. <laughs> well, no, but what 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 I appreciate about it is you're talking about the relationships that God has placed in your lives, people that had relationships with other people that kind of paved the way, if you will, for this process. And and it goes back to the root of if you're being obedient to what God has called you to do, he's going to open the doors even though it may seem insurmountable or even as I kind of guessed from the way you were saying when it wasn't in your plan. Well, yeah, I, I I knew what I wanted to do. I had no way, I, I couldn't, I just knew God said do it, and I had no plan to know how to do it. It right. was like, this is, you're going to have to forge a path for me that I don't know how to do, which is what he, exactly what he's promised to do for us. Exactly, yes. And, and he has, just as my dad said, my good God in heaven directed our steps the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the lord and let me just state right now i am righteous only by the blood of jesus amen i have i am not delusional about any righteousness of my own apart from the blood of jesus amen it's been his goodness and his faithfulness through my life that has sustained me and yet still keeps me Boy, we, we need to remember that on a daily basis, don't we? <laughs> At least yes. I do. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, boy, me and you both, Dave. So so you recorded a couple of albums with Benson, Green Tree, and then uh, you fairly quickly after that kind of became an independent artist again, right? Well, it, uh, Benson signed us for a three-record deal with Brown, Okay. And so the next so the next record we did was Nothing Without You, which Brown also produced. And I'm Born Again got such response. Um it started on the West Coast. It hit in Los Angeles. Okay. And it it, it was the fastest rising song uh in LA that Benson had. Um it was the only thing that was comparable to I'll Rise Again by Dallas Holmes. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it just kind of, it kind of threw it into the stratosphere. And so they called and said, hey, we want to sign you to three more records and Brown producing, which we did. And uh, strangely enough, right after that, the Benson Company got in really financial trouble. Mm. And they had released the single to I Am the Resurrection from the Nothing Without You record. Right. And it hit the charts and started screaming up the charts faster than I'm born again, but they didn't have any product to support it. Uh, so the radio stations started calling going, where are, where's the records? The bookstores are screaming for them and we're playing and your song's number one here and it's number one there. And, and Benson was tied up. They couldn't do it. Mm. And so, um, 
we sat down and we went, gosh, we have three more records with you guys. And they just said, gosh, Glenn, I remember they were kind. They said, if there's anyone we don't want to do wrong, it's you. And so what do you want to do? And I said, well, let me just, uh, can I get my copyrights back? And mm. and you just released me from the, the last, you know, uh, two records I'm supposed to do with you. Yeah. And I will see what to do. And they said, absolutely. And to their credit, they did that. They honored their word, gave me the the copyrights. And so now at this point, we're, we are independent again after... Uh, you know, two major records with Brown and. So let me let me push pause on that for a, a, a second. What was going through your mind during this time? I mean, in, in my mind, I've I've got a record deal now. Things are going great. I've got some great traction in radio. Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, the wheels fall off the bus, so to speak, and I'm now. <laughs> what what's going through your mind? Well, it it was it was disappointing for sure. I mean, I would you know I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say it was disappointing it was confusing um but the Lord's always said to me don't lean to your own understanding Mm -hmm. you know just acknowledge me and I'll direct your steps and boy he still does that with me today so we just kind of regrouped and we went um I remember thinking and just from that still small voice the Lord saying to me Benson did not call you I called you. Wow. I called you. And uh, there was a uh, an Old Testament scripture that just, just, it was probably about this time that the Lord gave me this scripture. It just permeated my being. And it's from Ezekiel 33, 31 through 33. I'll paraphrase it, but it'll be pretty doggone <laughs> right on the money. It says... Um, Behold, my people come to you as my people, and they sit before you, and they hear your words, but they don't do what you say. And their heart goes after greedy gain rather than me. And you are to them as one who has a beautiful voice, and you play, one translation says, a sensual song, another translation says, love song, uh, and you play a beautiful love song to them, and you are nothing to them more than entertainment. Mm. But the day will, but the day will come, and it will surely come that they will know that my prophet has been in their midst. And I went, yikes! Mm-hmm. Wow. Now here's these Ezekiel, God speaking through Ezekiel, calling this man with a musician who is perceived by. God's people as a beautiful voice, a love song, yeah. plays well on an instrument, but that's all there is to it. But God says, no, that that man is a prophet. He he proclaims the word of God. Right. He's a prophet of the Lord. And so it sobered me uh, how profound the office of a musician is. Yeah. And then the Lord started pointing out other things to me. I mean, obviously, David's harp. It, it wasn't the, right. even the lyrics on David's music. It was his. I mean, it was the music. The harp would drive off demons. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Elisha has a scripture where he says, "Bring to me." It's in Second Kings. Bring to me a musician who's skilled and anointed. And they found the musician, they brought him in, and it said when the, when the musician played, the mighty hand of God began to move through Elisha. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, those are kind of things that you go, okay, I wouldn't, you know what, I wasn't called by Benson. Yep. Uh, I wasn't called by Greg Nelson or Brown. I was called by the Lord in heaven. Yes. So I had no intention of quitting for you, it, the the Benson piece was a a tool that God had provided for you, but the call still remained strong, and so you plowed forward, and you just kept, and you've been independent ever since. Isn't that correct? Uh, yes. I did a single for Capitol Records back around, which is another miraculous story, uh, called Heroes in Blackstone, when... <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I hadn't even thought about that story. Should I go into that? Sure, Dave? yeah, uh, go for it. Because, I mean, again, it's the supernatural hand of God. I received a phone call one day back in, I guess it was 86. And this, uh, this lady said, I'm on a committee to create a song to honor the, the Vietnam vets and for the, ded- for the dedication of the wall. And um, we want you to come and talk with us about writing that. Wow. And I, I, so I thought, I got off the phone with Kathy, and um, I said, I don't know whether this is legitimate or, or not. I <laughs> right. don't know whether they're to tr- trust this or not. And Kathy said, well, just kind of see it through. What did she say she was going to do? Well, she said she was going to uh, book, book me a flight to D.C. And um, they would get back to me today. And I'd fly up tomorrow and meet with Senator John Kerry and Senator Gore from Tennessee. Wow. And Kathy goes, well, let's just see what happens. So <laughs> that afternoon I get a phone call. And... Um, it's uh, Senator John Kerry. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and he says, uh, Glenn, we want you to come up and talk to you about writing this song for us. Yeah. And I said, well, yes, sir. So he said, we have your plane tickets coming. So uh, they'll pick you up at the airport tomorrow. So the next day I'm in D.C. and Incredible. This lady who, who had originally called me picked me up, and she's driving me from the airport back to uh, actually back to meet with Senator Kerry and then Senator Gore. Um, and so I'm riding along with her, and I went, can I ask you a question? And she goes, yes. I said, why are you calling me to do this? I mean, you know, why are you not calling uh, John Bon Jovi or right. Springsteen? Or why, why are you call, calling me? That question was going through my mind, too. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I mean, any normal person would, would wonder. And uh, I said, are you a believer? And she said, well, no, I, I, I've not really believed in anything. And she said, but uh, until the other, other night, she said, I was driving through Richmond, Virginia, and I was just flipping radio channels. And uh, she said a song came up called uh, Hallelujah, He's Risen. And... Um, of, it's off the Back Where Love Begins album. Okay. And she said, um, she said, I heard a voice say, this is the man who's to write the song for the Vietnam Memorial. Wow. Call, find him and call him. Wow. And she and I said, what? And I said, and you don't believe in God? She said, well, I didn't, but somebody's <laughs> out there because I heard him. Yeah. And and she said, I pulled over and I called the radio station. And they said, well, that's Glenn Garrett from his new album, Back Where Love Begins. And uh, I think he has connections with the Benson Company, but I think this is an independent record. And she called Benson and they said, yeah, here's Glenn's number. Call wow. Him. And so she said, so I don't know what I believe now, but somebody's out there. Yeah. And so I, I go and I meet with Senator Gore, and I meet with, this, uh, at that time, Senator John Kerry from Massachusetts. And he asked me, he said, Glenn, I'm sensing hesitation on your part about doing this. Can, can I ask you why? And I said, yes, sir, you, you can, and you're correct. And he said, well, why are you hesitant? And I said, I didn't fight in Vietnam. Mm. I wasn't there. I don't presume to know the pain that these men and their families went through. Right. I don't presume to know. And he said, uh, he said, Glenn, I'm a Vietnam vet. He said, can I ease your mind? He said, uh, listen, we get support from the military and patriotic um, artists. He said, we've never, we've never really gotten support from the arts of like yourself right and it would it would mean something if you would write it and coming from a christian background and i went yes sir let me do it so i go down uh, he said what do you want to do i said let me spend the day at the wall 
And so I went down to the Vietnam Memorial and I just, I stayed there hours and I just watched people go by and they would find a son and, you know, and take a piece of paper and a pencil and etch their name that was carved into right. a stone or find a daughter that, uh, that was lost or, you know, I saw sons looking for fathers and and uh, so I, I moved around up, there's a hill that kind of looks down on it, and I was looking through three pine trees right down on the wall at the end of the day. Okay. And, and all of a sudden, those three pine trees, they were lined up two forward, one in the middle back, and uh, they kind of had bare trunks and went up to foliage. Yeah. And as I was looking at them, the Lord's focus on that shifted from the wall to those three trees. And I, in my heart, in my spirit, I saw the cross. Yeah. I saw three crosses. And I heard the Lord say, because I was debating, Lord, do you want me to write this or not write this? I don't know. I had never really stepped outside of Christian music at that time. Right. And uh, uh, I heard clearly, not audibly, but clearly the Lord say, I want you to write it. I know what it's like to give up a son. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, and at that point, I knew I was to write it. And me and Wayne Kirkpatrick, sure, uh, who wrote "Change Change the World" for uh, uh, Eric Clapton right. and Kathy, my wife, we wrote uh, "Heroes in Blackstone." Wow. And and Capital released it on secular radio, and it got tremendous response. And Benson, though, would have the rights to manufacture it. They gave the right to do the single to Capital because they were doing the dis- distribution at that time. Sure. I mean, the president of the company called us in and said, we don't know what to do with this. Yeah. I, I think they were a little leery to touch it. Mm. So um, it got played on secular radio, but uh, the product was never put there to be purchased. Wow. Which is another interesting twist in the journey. Yeah. Something that you've said multiple times as we've talked today uh, is, is, has really struck with me. And I hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't know how to hear God. I don't know how, how to hear what he has to say, say to me. And you have multiple times today said you've heard the still small voice of God. <laughs> um, how, do yeah. you, how do you distinguish that still small voice from all of the other thoughts and stuff running around in your mind? Well, I mean, you know, it really, I don't mean it to be simplistic, but Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they won't follow another voice. And um, I remember I had I had a friend, uh, a sweet lady, friend of ours, say, well, Glenn, I don't know if God speaks to his children anymore, and the answer that just popped from my spirit instead of my brain was, "What father wouldn't speak to his child?" Yeah, and what fa- and I didn't I didn't do it a, like attacking, just a question. What father wouldn't speak to his child? And she just started crying, and she went, "Oh, you're right. Hmm. I can't imagine a father not speaking to his child." And um, I I, I found. I know my father's voice. I, I, I don't know. I could recognize my dad if he called me on the phone. Yeah. I, I know when my father speaks to me. And sometimes I hear clearly. Sometimes it's not as clear. And I'll go, Lord, talk to me. I need to hear you. And it's not as clear. And other times it's... I, I find the plumb line is God's word. He, Though he often speaks apart from his word through Scripture, he never speaks contrary to it. Amen. Amen. And uh, I mean, we see all through all through Scripture, God speaking in dreams and visions and the prophetic word. And uh, so, although he speaks apart from his written word, he never speaks contrary to it. So the plumb line is: How does this line up with God's written word? Right. Yeah. So his voice is truth and. We don't believe the a liar, right? So let me take this just a little bit farther, and then we'll get back to your story. But when you were standing there on that hill, looking through those trees, and you heard, uh, you know, I know what it's like to lose a son, to how, yeah, to give up a son. Yeah, how did that? I mean, was that just 
because you've read Scripture and you know that that's true with Scripture, or did you have to go back and research that? Well, no, I, you know, I, by no means am I a theologian. I am not. But I've been a student of the Bible ever since I, I met Jesus when I was nine. And I, I remember I would stand under the stars at night as a little boy during the summer and look up just in awe uh-huh. of God's creation. And I would feel his presence and I would know he's with me. And I knew he was for me. And uh, he's for He's for all of his children. That yeah. that, that wasn't you know, exclusive to me, but I knew right. he was also for, for me. And so I would read, you know, uh, Dave, I just, I, I'd get a Bible that I could understand and I would just read. And I still do to this day. I am a student of the Bible, though I'm, I'm not a theologian. I'm not that brilliant. I'm not that complicated. I'm not that versed, but I, uh, I just find, um, God's Word fascinates me, and so I've learned, and that's a good question, I have learned to hear His voice because I've heard it so much Mm -hmm. through the words of Jesus and through the prophets and through what He has written. That's how I know His voice. Yeah. Well, I kind of thought you would answer that way. (laughs) As a personal example for me, I've just started a Bible study with a couple of friends, and we happened to pick up in Ecclesiastes. Now, that's like probably not the best place to start for somebody who's reading (laughs) the Bible for the first time. It's confusing and all that kind of stuff. And one of the folks that, that's reading with me says, man, this just doesn't make any sense. And they did a Google search, and they found people say, yeah, Ecclesiastes is one of the most difficult to understand, yada, yada. And it's, it was interesting because this morning as I was reading, there were, there were two verses that jumped out at me like it was made for me. And I guess what hmm. I'm trying to tell people is to hear God's voice, you have to spend time with him. And he chooses to spend time with us through his word. And so yes. I'm echoing 100% what you say, Glenn spend time in God's Word, and pretty soon this confusing stuff that may not make sense to us, one day we read it and there may be just a gem that pops out at us and says, aha, this is exactly what I was saving for you for today. So, Absolutely. It's a yeah. rhema word. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for taking that uh, detour with me. I just... <laughs> I just always love hearing how people hear from God, and so this is, that was cool. So good, Dave. Well, and, and wow. you've gone on now to record a number of different albums. You've been gracious. I've I've heard um, outside of time, which I think is your most current album, and Garrett, which was yep. the one before that. Um, and all are yep. all of these albums are really well. Let me let me back up. A lot of times, I hear people who are artists say, "You know, I've written all there is to write. I'm not sure what else to write." But each of these albums are really poignant to the day. And uh, so I would be, you've spent a lot of time songwriting with other folks too. So I'd be interested to hear just a little bit about the songwriting process that you go through and how do you, how do you stay relevant as you know, society changes? Well, I, I really appreciate that. I, I find that, uh, you know, Dave, because we're created in his image and he is Elohim Adonai, he is the Lord God of all creation and we're created in his image and so musicians and writers and and uh, songwriter uh, i mean artists uh part of our uh, spiritual dna is we create mm. and that doesn't have a uh, an expiration date on it it just <laughs> doesn't have an expiration date on it it's like i told kathy i said um uh, sweetheart, I'll probably have long white hair with a Stratocaster around my neck <laughs> when we get raptured or when I go. That's yeah. probably where I'll be. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, we were asked to come play the Strader Hotel, which is kind of like a version. It's a small version of the Grand Ole Opry in Durango, oh. uh, uh, Colorado. And they have in a lot of country bands, and they heard the Garrett record. Okay. And uh, they, they just said... Um, gosh, we love this record. Would you come out and, and do a date for us and bring the band? And so, you know, they backlined it for us and the whole band flew out there. And it was, the Lord had just, because it's a different setting. Here again, sure. it's kind of the place where God, when I was very young, said, I want you to step out of this. Now, this is an open bar in a secular venue. And I heard the Lord clearly say, 
I want you to go. Yeah. And if you go, I'll go with you. And just sing, just play, mm-hmm. and I will come. And he did. Yeah. It was fascinating for me to see how God's Word, as you even sing it, that it draws people in. And I tell you what does. When they sense um, the fact that God loves and that God has not rejected. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is one of the passion calls on my life that has refueled me for this Carol's time that we're in. Yeah. And for me to have uh, energy to move forward, I was reading again uh, Isaiah 42. And that whole, that whole chapter is fascinating to me. It, it, you know, it starts by uh, my good God in heaven, as my dad would say, yeah. his heart. And, and it, you know, it says uh, early on, he says, a bruised reed I will not crush. Mm-hmm. A smoldering wick I will not put out. And then further on into the chapter, you know, he mentions sing a new song. Sing a new song. And it's like you see God's heart through this. And then further on down the line, David, it says some scripture that just will uh, wake you up. Uh, It woke me up. It said, who's as blind as my servant? Hmm. Or who is as deaf as my anointed one. Wow. And then he goes, you have ears, but you don't hear. You have eyes, but you yeah. don't see. And you're in a midst of people. And this is the part that just hit me. You're in a midst of people who are in dungeons and are who are locked away and they're in prison. And no one among you will simply cry, restore. Oh. And when I saw that, I went, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then he goes, <clears throat> is there anyone who for this time will cry, restore? Uh-huh. And then, you know, then the Lord goes on that I, I, I have sent a shepherd. I will be the shepherd. I will restore. But there's messengers to carry that. And I knew in that moment it was energy for me to finish well, yeah. that, that my heart song would be the heart of the Lord because, look, am I talking too much? No, no, I, no. I just, no, this th- is great. This, this is, is wonderful. Th- this, is, this is a passion for me. Um, when Jehoshaphat, Second uh, Chronicles 20, 21, when, he, when they went into battle, you know, he gathered the musicians mm-hmm. and, he put them in, and he put them in front of the army. And I usually kid, uh, I'll go, hey, hey, hey now, pastors, that wasn't because he was trying to knock off the musicians, because they're usually usually trouble. He, he didn't put them out there to get rid of them. Right. And, uh, and, uh, but that when they would sing, the battle would be won, you know, and their song was what fascinated me. God is good. Yes. And his mercies endure forever. God is good. And his mercies endure forever. God is good. Yeah. And his mercies endure forever. And and w- when they dedicated Solomon's temple, uh, they brought the singers. And what was their song before the glory of the Lord filled the temple? What did they sing before the glory of the Lord filled the temple? The Lord is good. Yeah. And his mercies endure forever. I think 26 times the psalmist writes, "Wow, the Lord is good and his yeah. mercy endures forever repetitively. So... You see that? Yep. And, and you, you go into a place like Strader, and you sing God is good and His mercies endure forever. And, and you project. Yep. You've been lied to that you cannot come back. You are not too far away. The heart of God is restored. Yes. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've fallen. Even now, God's grace is sufficient. Jesus purchased you by his blood. You are not too far gone, and I have not stopped loving you. Amen. Please come. Please come. Please come. And listen, I got a report later. Uh, the young lady who had us in out there, uh, she called and she said, listen, I have a friend, and she has the most vile mouth I have ever heard in my life, but for some reason... 
God has given me an incredible love for this person. Mm. And I invited her to the concert. And she said she came, and she said about two songs in, and we had an incredible band. I mean, we just kind of blew the back doors off. Fun. She got up and she came over to me and said, why didn't you tell me about this band? And she said she dropped about three expletives that I can't say and said they are so amazing and went back and enjoyed the rest of the concert, never left. She said she ran into her about a week later. Uh-huh. And she said, uh, can I ask you a question? And she said, yes, for sure. She said, was that... Are those guys in that band believers? And she smiled and said, "Yeah, they are. Every one of them's a yeah. believer." And she said, uh, "You know what? I, I I don't like Christians. I've never really liked Christians. Don't like church." And she said, "But tears started welling up in her eyes." And she said, "But something happened during that concert, and I I started feeling the love of God." And she said to the to her. Do you know anything about Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. She said, can you help me? (sighs) Wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, can you help me come to know him? And she did right there on the streets. And I just went, Lord, I don't care. I am not going to be selective where I sing. I will only be selective of where you direct me. Yeah. You direct me where and I'll sing there. Yeah. Whether it's in Washington on top of the the Vietnam Memorial, which is where we sang Heroes in Blackstone in, on Veterans Day before thousands of vets, yep. or whether it's the Strader, or whether it's church, or whether it's on the street, I've sung on the back steps of the Ryman here. And I said, hey, my dad got to play on that stage inside, but I'm thankful I'm standing on the back steps <laughs> yeah. on the street with an acoustic guitar singing and uh, so I will continue in either place. Yes. Well, and I, I heard an interview just a couple of days ago that kind of cements what you're saying. And, and the, they said, the, the thing about God is he doesn't care what you do or what you've done. He loves you. He doesn't care what you don't do or what you haven't done. He loves you. And the bottom line in all of that is he wants a relationship with you. And and part of part of my desire for this podcast is to help us understand that the relationship that we have with each other can point people to the relationship that they desperately need with Jesus. And, oh, those are just Absolutely. exclamation Absolutely. points. Your stories are just exclamation points on that statement. So thank you Amen. for sharing those. Amen. You bet. Thank you for allowing me to share that. And so I think I, I went around the block to answer your question. But yeah, we I have more to say and I'm energized. And uh, and again, not to be redundant, but I this last record, Dave, to be honest, there were moments when I would be writing uh-huh. in the studio that I would hear the Lord say to my heart, write this phrase down. And it was not my phrase. Hmm. And when I would write it down, I would kind of be amazed and go, oh my goodness, where'd that come from? Well, it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you know, and then it metered perfectly into the song I was working on. Yeah. I, uh, so as long as I can write the heart of my good God in heaven, yes. I will write and I will sing. One of the things we do is we send out a, a weekly prayer letter. Um, how can our prayer team be praying for you in these coming weeks ahead? Well, yeah, and just um, my sweet wife is uh, is going to have a surgery here at the end of October. She's already been through three, and we have good reports. She's clear, and this is just kind of a touch-up on one of the surgeries that they've done. It's a, a plastic surgery now, uh, and if people would just send up a prayer for Kathy Garrett, uh, my sweet wife, to keep her uh, safe, and and I know she will be, and uh, that she comes through this fine. She's been through a a lot. She's been through the last four months of rehabilitation, and I've kind of been the therapy dog. I'm always there right (laughs) beside her and try to keep her calm going through the pain of physical therapy. So, yeah. 
uh, for me that God would give me wisdom and he would anoint me to sing and finish well and to not stop short and to be strong and courageous to do and to, to that he would, as Paul said, open doors that we might effectually minister the gospel of Jesus to tell the story of our good God in heaven. Thank you for sharing, Glenn. It is an honor to partner with you and Kathy as you both strive to be obedient to God's call on your life. And thank you, listener, for tuning in today. I hope you found this chat to be an encouragement to be active in sharing your faith. And let me also encourage you, like Glenn did, to be active in God's Word, reading regularly, and learning how to hear God speaking to you. Being in Scripture is a good habit to have, and I guarantee you that Jesus will use your time in His Word to speak directly to you. I'm feeling led to close this podcast in a little bit different way than I usually do. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're chasing after things to fill an emptiness inside of you. Or or maybe you're thinking, there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing and going through right now. Let me encourage you to invite God to journey through life with you. He's a loving God who wants nothing more than to be your best friend. But he's also a kind God who doesn't force himself into a relationship with you. He waits for you. He waits for you to invite him to be a part of your life. So if you are longing for something more in life and are feeling that emptiness inside of you, or maybe you're just hearing a gentle voice saying, Come to me. I'd like to invite you to just stop right now, stop what you're doing, and just speak to God. There's really nothing complicated about talking to Him. You could say something as simple as this, and if you want to, you can repeat after me if that helps. Just say, God, I'm a bit overwhelmed with life right now. Everything going on around me is leaving me feeling a bit out of sorts, and I could really use your help. Jesus, please forgive my sins. Please fill my life with your presence and with your peace. I want to walk through life with your help. I want to walk through life with you beside me. God, please come into my life and change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you to the family of our good God in heaven. I'd also like to encourage you to tell somebody about the prayer you just prayed. Tell somebody at church. Tell your best friend. Heck, you can even tell me. But let someone know about your decision to walk with God. There's something really important about making a public statement that helps cement the decision you just made. If you want to tell me about it, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me a direct message on any of my social media sites. Just search for at CCM Exchange, or you can drop me an email on my website, christianmusicarchive.com. I always end this podcast in the same way, because I believe it is the most important statement in the history of the world, and it is personalized just for you. Remember, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>